Hello, Herd, and welcome to our new day for Clone Wars Rewatch. It's Friday, uh, and instead of Q&A, that means Clone Wars Rewatch now. Yay! I am your Herd leader, John Wayne. And I am your Herd mom, Megan. Very caffeinated. Yes, we have our uh, holiday drinks from Starbies uh, today with us as the fuel for our podcast recording. Um... We weren't able to record ahead of time as we normally do, so we're actually recording this today, Friday, uh, and caffeine is helping make that happen. Oh boy! It's so it's all happening in one one day: the recording, the posting, and the delivery to your ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, hopefully, you're ready for this. Um, we're continuing in season one. We've hit a patch where uh, we've been able to stay pretty consistently in season one for a few episodes. Uh, and that continues here with season one, episode eight, nine, and ten. Uh, this is what I call the Gunray Captured arc. Yeah. Um, the plot of these three episodes centers around that. It, uh, Trade Federation leader Newt Gunray is captured, um, mm-hmm. and the various plot to retrieve him and uh, rescue him uh, from the Jedi and also return him back into custody and all that good stuff. A lot of a lot of hijinks and craziness and a lot of uh, cool stuff in, in these few episodes. This is a really solid um, arc of episodes, I think. Very consistently good. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, uh, we'll just go ahead and dive right on into that, I guess. All right. So starting with Season 1, Episode 8, we have Bombad Jedi. Um, this was a really fun one. Uh, it centers around, if you can't tell by the title, Jar Jar Binks, um, and it's actually a really good episode. Uh, I like it, and it's got a lot of fun. Um, it's Jar Jar, so it is a little yeah. uh, sillier, but I don't feel like it ruins anything or diminishes the episode. No. For, like, I think I told you, this this episode kind of changed my opinion on Jar Jar. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole of the Clone Wars when he shows up, I think I might have to redo my favorite or least favorite characters now because mm-hmm. I find myself liking Jar Jar a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely he works better in the Clone Wars, and I think they use him more appropriately yes. here. Um, and I think they don't go over the top with his humor and with him as a character. So I think when when they do use him, it's not a groaning experience it's yeah. it's a okay this is going to be a more fun episode yeah. um the episode he appeared in uh a few episodes back which i believe was supply lines mm-hmm. of um i want to say that was season two yeah it was season two because that was yeah okay um yes <laughs> yeah he appeared in that episode and what uh it was a good episode um, and he was actually very central to the plot, much like he is in these episodes. And so, but here he's he's much more intentionally helpful uh, than in the last episode uh, where he appeared in. But nonetheless, fun episode, and it's got a cool some some pretty cool details and highlights from um, the lore of the episode and also the what went into making the episode and all that but Mm -hmm. anyway so the moral of the episode is heroes are made by the times um these are always 
really good and, and poignant. And uh, certainly um, this one makes me think of uh, the story of Esther when her uh, uncle Mordecai tells her, you know, you were chosen for such a time as this, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly in this episode, Jar Jar was chosen for a time like this. He was he was the hero of this time. Uh, oh, yeah. Certainly couldn't say he's always a hero, but yeah. in the, in this instant, he, he was a hero because of uh, where he found himself. Mm -hmm. and, and we kind of all that all have that. We, you know, we have the, the time that give us the choice of, yeah. do we go one way or the other? So, yeah. And think of that when you're sad about Chris Evans leaving as Captain America, he was Captain America for a time. I'm still sad about it, sure. but. There you he, go. Is he like done? Done? I don't think he's done. I, I'm pretty sure he oh. had to go back and clarify. Like, hey, I was just saying, I'm done with Avengers four. I don't think he's. I don't. I think he's done. Now. I don't know. I don't feel like they would let him just put that on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like he'd be able to announce his exit on Twitter. Well, I'm pretty sure he like he did a, a whole thing where he walked into Marvel with a a giant fire hose and just like I'm done. I don't think. So. I, I think he was just saying he's done with Avengers 4. That's how you quit a job, right? No. You just walk in with a giant fire hose? No. So I quit my job. No. Anyway, um, the opening narration for the episode is, The Clone War threatens the unity of the Republic. As battle rages across the galaxy, more worlds succumb to the seductive lure of the Separatists and leave the Republic. Mm -hmm. On a vital mission of peace, Senator Padme Amidala journeys to the Outer Rim world of Rhodia, desperate to ensure its loyalty remains to the Republic. Yes. So this one has a very political th uh, theme to it. The, mm -hmm. the, the plot being that the Separatists are delivering where the Republic isn't in, uh, while that's not always consistently uh, proven. It's it's enough for desperate people to decide, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm going to go with them instead because the Republic just aren't getting results. Um, the Separatists might not have been good at winning or ensuring 100%, um, but they were definitely good yeah. at spreading out the Republic and proving the Republic was, was not perfect. Yeah. And it's easy to win a war when you own most of the trade routes. Exactly. And so they exploit that. And so the big plot of the Clone Wars is constantly just the, the separatists yeah. spreading out the Republic, mm -hmm. uh, you know, pointing out their holes and, and then, you know, having other people see like, hey, look, they can't even protect themselves. They can't protect these worlds. How are they going to protect you? Mm -hmm. You know, we have the trade routes. We have this. We have that. We can we can take care of you. And to desperate people, that sounds good. I mean, much like the Republic or um, uh, the uh the empire, you know, after the, after the going through the clone war, you've got to think the Republic or the, um, the empire <laughs> sounded appealing to a lot of people. Cause they're like, yes, we want order. We want someone yeah. that can ensure that we will be protected. We will be taken care of. Yeah. It's that idea of everything, anything else is better than this. Right. And so, you know, yeah. You know, it. you have to keep in mind, people signed up for the Empire. They were mm -hmm. like, we want to be in the Empire. We want the Empire to exist. Yeah. At first, it just sounded better than the Republic. And yeah. so it wasn't found out until later. But but anyway, so th this is a really good plot point um, mm -hmm. for the episode. And what we find out is that the reason Padme is so adamant about Rhodia and uh, it's Unity with the Republic is because she has a relationship with the senator um, mm -hmm. there, Anaconda Far. 
um, apparently he and Padme's father are very good friends, and uh, she calls him Uncle Anno and all this other stuff. So it's really and it's interesting because you know he's an alien. Um, mm-hmm. I remember first seeing like this episode, I thought it was a little different, but I mean, to us, they're alien to, to, you know, people in Star Wars, they're just normal faces, you know, yeah. Rodians are a little bit of everywhere, so they don't see them as different. Um, like I do. Um, so they have that relationship. And so she wants to ensure and she wants to comfort him and say, Hey, don't worry. The Republic's going to get, get you taken care of. Oh. But oopsies. You okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, it turns out that Anaconda Far has already decided that he's going to uh, join the Separatists. He's going to uh, take their offer of assistance. And uh, so he kind of flips the script on Padme a little bit which I think was pretty surprising um, for her. And I I know for me, first watching, it was a pretty big surprise, you know, because he's, the the relationship is so bolstered and and Mm -hmm. sold as, no, it'll be okay because we have this long lasting relationship. But um, clearly when she comes to him, he's kind of, like I said, he's, he's that desperate person that any help sounds good. And he's just decided that, Help now far supersedes any friendship or relationship I have with the Republic or anything. Yeah. Um, And so uh, Padme uh, ends up in prison again, as she's uh, known to do, which by (laughs) by the way, she chose her, you know, tight skin, skin tight, white. Yeah. She loves that. Acrobatic suit. Yeah. Her, uh, (laughs) Her attack of the clones guard, I'll say, uh-huh. is, um, for you know negotiations and whatnot. It's just like well, it's whatever, effective. Whatever. If you want to get your way. Well, really, it was about because obviously, you know, it it's not a spoiler. She's put in prison. She's got to escape. She's got to be able to be nimble and acrobatic. So they gave her that rather than some uh, actually uh, actual senator garb or whatever. Mm-hmm. I like her senator outfits. Yeah. But, of course, try running away from battle droids in those. So, yeah. you know, she, she's, got a, <laughs> she's got an outfit for everything, clearly. Um, but anyway, so with, with Padme, um, you have 3PO and Jar Jar. This is very similar to the, uh, the Supply Lines episode where it's like, hey, we're sending you on this super important thing. And it's really, really, really important that negotiations go great. So here's Jar Jar. <laughs> you know, and, and and this isn't a picking on Jar Jar thing, but I mean, they, they yeah. clearly know in the episode, we're going to have to keep an eye on Jar Jar. We're going to have to make sure that I do the talking, not him, you know, so we're, it's not picking on him. It's just a fact that Jar Jar can tend to, to make things more difficult than they need to be. Yeah. And yet they choose to send him on these important <laughs> things all the time. Well, they made him a senator. <laughs> well, an assistant. Like he, he has... I mean, yeah, he has responsibility because, and the the whole point yeah. of him being in the Senate with Padme is because they wanted to represent that the Naboo are two people. You have the Naboo and the Gungans, mm-hmm. and both have a right to a voice in the political climate. Yeah. And so bringing Jar Jar in 
was kind of meant to be that. But again, you're trusting Jar Jar to be the representative of a whole people group. Yeah. You know, this dude was literally banished for being clumsy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you, do you know how clumsy you have to be to be banished for it? Like, that's... Yeah. So... I, I, <laughs> It'd be kind of like if we sent Carrot Top to be our United Nations representative. Right. Like, I mean, you know, now comedians, there's lots of comedians. We were just talking about the uh, the actor behind uh, Joe Costanza off of Seinfeld last night. George. George yeah. Costanza. That's what I said. You said Joe. No, I said George. Okay. Play back the recording. You'll hear it. Uh, George Costanza. Uh-huh. Um, I can't, I do not remember uh, his actor's name um, off either. the top of my head, but he is big in um, the political climate of uh, uh, representing Jewish people. And in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in, uh, he was involved with a lot of things. Um, I don't think recently, but I could be wrong, but I know in the nineties, early two thousands, he was, very, very involved with that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not to say that Carrot Top would be bad because he's a comedian. It's because he's Carrot Top. And it's just like, <laughs> Jar Jar is not bad at politics because he's a Gungan. It's because he's Jar Jar. Yeah. Uh, but that's a sideline. Anyway, mm-hmm. but Jar Jar, so Jar Jar and 3PO are with them. And Padme leaves 3PO with to, to look up after Jar Jar uh, on the ship. And um, so once Padme's captured uh of course the droids go to uh kind of commandeer the ship um and so we get this little uh unfortunate uh and silly incident where uh 3PO and Jar Jar try to escape the droids and they use some sort of uh mag lift kind of thing and uh, our uh, 3PO gets caught on the magnet and uh, it's a whole mess and it ends with uh Padme's ship being destroyed in true Jar Jar fashion. Yes. Um, it's very similar to uh, the Battle of Naboo where he accidentally kills like two droids uh, by using the uh, half upper half of a body of a droid Deka that accidentally died. So it, it's like he, he did everything by accident and yet it all worked <laughs> out. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it really gives credence to the whole he's a Sith Lord kind of thing. <laughs> like no one's that lucky. I mean, except Han, maybe. But anyway, um, so they come up with a plan. They, they can't transmit for help, so they have to get inside the, uh, I guess, castle. Or, or uh, it looks like a castle, at least. I don't know what they call it. Yeah. But um, they have to get into the building and use their transmitter to call for help. Uh, and so in order to do that, in order and for some reason, in order to sneak around and all this other stuff, Jar Jar uses a Jedi robe that he found, mm-hmm. which we know whose that is, yes. of course. So. And there's such a cute little moment of like, oh, open this closet. A Jedi robe? Where did that come from? Yeah, Jar Jar. Now, what's funny is 3PO's like, huh, I don't know. Mm. I'm like, uh-huh. You know. You know. You know. Um, but what I find funny is the reason they find the robe is because 3PO's like, our only hope is to hide in this closet. And... It, it, it made me think of A New Hope. I don't know if I've ever thought of this during that scene before, but it made me think of A New Hope when uh, the stormtroopers are trying to break into the room uh, on the Death Star where 3PO and R2 are. 
you know, everybody else is out doing their thing. Obi-Wan's trying to take down the tractor beam. Uh, Luke and Han are trying to free Leia, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So they are left there to kind of just look over the Falcon and and communicate to the group. And so when the stormtroopers break in, they hide in the closet. Yeah. That like, that's C-3PO's big plan all the time. It's let's just hide in the closet. Yes. Um, So I just, I thought that was funny. Um, But anyway, so then uh, Jar Jar, and 3PO go in to try and find that. Uh, at the same time, Nuke Gunray arrives um, to uh, oversee Padme's execution, which was not part of the negotiations. It's very, it's a very Lando Empire Strikes Back scene where it's like you know the negotiations or uh, the deal is getting worse all the time kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. like because uh, Anakin Afar did not know about all that. Is Anaconda don't? Uh, well, Anaconda, Anaconda don't. Whatever. No, I I was making a joke. I know you were making a joke. I'm ignoring your joke. <laughs> it's a stupid joke. You're a stupid joke. I am. Um, and so, through various misadventures, uh, and along the way, Jar Jar meeting with some uh, underwater Rodian slug thing and becoming friends, mm-hmm. um, Padme manages to free herself because she's Padme. She didn't really need the help in the first place. Yeah. But then Jar Jar gets himself into some trouble. Uh, Padme's captured again, and but just before she can be executed, Jar Jar and his uh, swamp slug show up and save the day. And uh, then uh, along the way, 3PO was able to call for help. So the clones show up. Uh, it's uh, Green Company, or a.k.a. the 41st Elite Corps, led by Commander Gree. They show up to take Nuke Gunray into captivity, and all's well that ends well. Um, in that, and Anaconda still at the end thinks Jar Jar is a Jedi because he thinks him as um, Master Bombad, um, <laughs> and you know, and he's like, you know, I don't know if you're the bravest or the stupidest. And Jar Jar thinks, I don't think I'm either. And Three uh, PO's like, I think you're both. <laughs> <laughs> we all think you're both. Yeah. Um, but but yet again, you know, uh, Jar Jar was very very useful uh, for the plot and was very fun along the way. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I don't think anything felt too much um, for me in this episode. So it was appropriately Jar Jar, uh, without feeling like they're completely changing his character to be more likable. You know, he was still very much the character that we're introduced to him as in Phantom Menace. I think he's just being done better. I don't think he's just being used or written for just to have a part. I think he's being thought out more and being more carefully used um, by Dave Filoni and the other writers when they were working on these episodes. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think Jar Jar finally gets some good dues uh, in these episodes for sure. Yeah. So, um, what do you think overall? Well, like I said, I my opinion about Jar Jar has definitely changed. I've stopped seeing him as, you know, obnoxious mm-hmm. and more kind of, he's a cutie pie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what it, like I said, I think it's, I think it's in how they're handling writing for his character and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I still don't know exactly how they managed to make him more useful and likable in this. And, and, you know, we're coming from the perspective of 
well, probably more so you than me. I say that because Phantom Menace is one of I, one of my favorites of the prequels. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't think I've ever been horribly dissatisfied with Jar Jar as a character. I think definitely I thought episode one, he was just too much of a joke. Um, but I think for me growing up, he was always balanced. He was always the butt of the joke, but he also was always somehow useful. Mm-hmm. But I think here he manages to be a solid character. Uh, whereas for you, I know you you don't like uh, the Phantom Menace. You don't really like Jar Jar. Um, but for them to be able to take a character like that and make him uh, more likable, uh, I think is really, really cool. And it really speaks to the quality of writing, and it, I think... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, some cool details of note for this episode is that Tom Kenny uh, joins the cast and is Newt Gunray in this episode, um, which is really interesting. Uh, Tom Kenny manages to be in everything at yes. least once. Yes, he does. <laughs> so, um, and he's all throughout these these episodes, of course, as Gunray, but we'll see him, his name come up again later. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't. I'm not a huge Tom Kenny fan. I, I, I mean, I think he's a fun guy and I like several of his roles that he plays, but I also think he's one of those that you can tell when it's Tom Kenny in everything, no matter what he does, I can always find Tom Kenny. And so it's just one of those where it's like, I don't know. For me, it's just, it's kind of a, Oh, there's Tom Kenny. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's not because of him. I think it's just because he's in so much that when yeah. I when I pick him out, I'm just like, <sighs> yeah. I feel the opposite about Clancy Brown, though. It's like, oh yeah, he just shows up and I'm like, <gasps> Mr. Krabs. Yeah, you know he's in Clone Wars, right? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do know that. Okay. Um. Yeah. Now, now he, but. I don't know. He's a little more sparse, or at least for what I've always found him in, he's a little more sparse. So I'm I'm not the one that's... I don't hear him in everything. But when I do hear him, of course, I'm like, oh, hey, it's that guy. But I don't think, oh, it's Mr. Krabs. I think, you know, oh, it's the bad guy from High- Highlander, or oh, it's the training sergeant from Starship Troopers. You yeah. know, like, I have different connections with it, I think. But I didn't like SpongeBob growing up. Uh, I don't like Adventure Time and the Ice King and all that stuff. So Tom Kenny's just like, eh. Uh, I think the most recent thing that he's done that I've really liked him being a part of is he was Wasp uh, slash Waspinator in um, Transformers Animated. Mm -hmm. Um, He was also Starscream in that. And I think there he worked a little bit more. it's not criticizing his new Gunray role. Uh, he he does. I will say it's a different voice than I'm used to for Newt Gunray, but I don't I don't really mind it. I think he does a good character of Newt Gunray. Yeah. So bit of a sideline, but yes, Tom Kenny. He is he is still a voice acting legend. He is in so much stuff, and he is a cool dude. Um, I think I'm just kind of dry on Tom Kenny. I think I'm just kind of. Just meh. Yeah. 
I don't get excited I get when I find them in things. But anyway, that's just me. I'm a grumpy man. Yes, you are. Um, Thankfully, I still have uh, some kind of childlike wonder. So. Yes, uh, for the both of us. Um, Quinlan Voss was originally slated to appear in an early draft of this episode. Um, he was to be working undercover and actually would use his Force abilities to make it look like Jar Jar was a Jedi. Uh, but he was eventually cut because in early stages of production, the studio didn't have the ability to include new characters because of the time it took to create them. Which is why in the first, I'd say season, first and half of season two, um, it's very centric on who's there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it doesn't, we don't really start to introduce a whole lot of new characters at first just because yeah. it's it's difficult. Whereas then you get into like season three and beyond where it, it really starts to hit the ground running in terms of feeling like its own full world. You're seeing all kinds of characters. Yeah, and I, you see that in a lot of uh, com- er, comics, cartoons. Um, not that, you know, Clone Wars is like every other cartoon, but um, for the first season or so, you have to follow the same kind of formula of mm-hmm. episodes until you can really get your formula down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a network thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I think it would. I think it worked much better with this. Um, Quinlan Boss is a very serious... Jedi character, and he does come back. He co- he comes up later, um, and would have appeared in the Dark Disciple um, arc as well. But mm-hmm. um, I think for what he showed up and did in the Clone Wars later was much more fitting of his character. I think this would have just not worked for him as a character. Yeah, I think if they were going to put a Jedi in Obi Wan would have maybe been the Jedi, but yeah. it wouldn't have made as much sense for Obi Wan to be undercover. Whereas Quinlan Boss, it does. So it's it's one of those things like it could have worked, but I don't think it would have. Um, I think what they ended up settling on was the best. Yeah. Are there any Rodian Jedi? Yes. Bola Rapal shows up in season two uh, and is actually a pretty significant Rodian Jedi. There was one in the Battle of Geonosis in Attack of the Clones. Um, and I want to say there's at least couple of other ones that we see as background characters but mm-hmm. i'd say bola rapal is probably the more prominent one mm-hmm. i get um, you but but yeah there's a few yes mm-hmm. bola rapal I've, no not it's RuPaul. one of those things RuPaul. yeah it was one of those things where like my brain was formulating the joke when you said it but i didn't have a punch i didn't have a joke to go with the punchline so i just sort of said the punchline <laughs> <laughs> just like uh you better work sashay away you he does sashay away <laughs> quite tragically actually we'll get there to let say before your life <laughs> um season two we'll get there uh also deals with um, Cad Bane, so... Oh, sick. Yeah. Uh, something to look forward to. Um, this episode was the only episode of season one to have Ahmed Best, mm-hmm. the original voice of Jar Jar, um, in this role. Uh, B.J. Hughes voices Jar Jar in The Gungan General, Blue Shadow Virus, and Mystery of a Thousand Moons. Uh, but, That's a lot of moons. Yeah. Uh, Ahmed does come back for season three episode Supply Lines, which we've yes. already talked about. Um, and for season four episodes, Gungan Attack, Prisoners, and Shadow Warrior. Um, so 
I'm not really sure the reason why um, we have a different voice come in for Jar Jar. I'm not sure if mm-hmm. Ahmed was doing something or uh, I don't know. I mean, because maybe he went into cryostasis. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, for the film, of course, we have the actors. So we have Samuel L. Jackson. We have Christopher Lee. Yeah. Um, but then when you get into the show, they're replaced by uh, T.C. Carson, Corey Burton. So I don't know if it was meant to be one of those, hey, you know, this is Jar Jar's feature episode. We're going to have him in and mm-hmm. then we'll get someone else to do the rest. But then Ahmed comes back. So mm-hmm. I almost feel like he probably had some project or something to do oh. or whatever. But I, I actually did not know that. I did not know that it was not Ahmed best for all the episodes. <laughs> so you learned something new. Mm-hmm. Um, this is our first official look at the planet Rhodia. Um, which is really nice. It's very tropical. Yeah. Um, and they, for some reason, have uh, bubbles around their cities. Uh, I think it's meant to be just like city perimeters. I don't think it's anything yeah. to do with atmosphere or anything like that. I think it's rather than saying, hey, this is the state line, they <laughs> just put it in a bubble kind of thing. Yeah. And it could have to do with, um, I mean, we see, you know, from the, uh, swamp slug, mm-hmm. their their fauna can be a little aggressive, so maybe it has something yeah. to do with that. I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, and in Legends, um, Rhodia is kind of mostly jungle, which mm-hmm. it is in um, the episode as well, but it's a little more colonized, if that makes sense. Yeah. But from what I understood, reading a couple of blurbs here and there about Rhodia in Legends. Yeah, you know, well, but in, and that's the thing be... is, it appeared several times in Legends mm-hmm. uh, as a mention in a book or, or something like that, yeah. but never uh, visually up until yeah. now. So You want to um, read a little bit about uh, Rhodia in Legends? Read Greedo's blurb in uh, Tales of the Bounty Hunter. It's very mm-hmm. good. I quite enjoyed that one, too. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um... Anaconda Far uh, actually first appeared in the Attack of the Clones uh, film, mm-hmm. portrayed by Department Coordinator Zaria Hamilton. 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 Goodness gracious. Um, this wasn't uncommon. Um, I didn't go deep into researching who else, but I know there was a couple of other roles that were like, hey, can you just put this mask on real quick for this episode or for this scene or whatever? <laughs> it's just like, sure. You know, rather than going and hiring people, they would just be like, hey, yeah. you know, you're not doing anything. Put this on. You're related, George Lucas. Be a senator. Essentially. Um, but uh, and believe it or not, those characters pop up later. Um, wow. Yeah. So uh, I thought it was interesting. I did not realize that Anaconda Far was in Attack of the Clones. So um, I'll have to uh, go back and check that out. Hmm. Uh, after this, see if I can spot him. I'm pretty sure he's in one of the Senate scenes. Probably. Um, and then lastly, uh, the Quasel Maw, which is what the Swamp Slug is called, uh, was designed based on unused uh, Ralph McQuarrie design for the Swamp Slug creature on Dagobah. Hmm. So apparently the creature that swallows R2 uh, was meant to have more of an appearance, uh, and that would have been it. Uh, and you just pulled up Anaconda Far and Attack of the Clones and showed me. So there he is. Yeah, there he is. Um, so yeah, so this is this is the beginnings, uh, I'll say, of Dave Filoni's 
fascination with Ralph McQuarrie art. Um, anyone who's watched Rebels knows that that show is almost entirely designed off of Ralph McQuarrie art, uh, which is why I think I love it so much in its art style. Um, you know, because the Clone Wars had a very established, this is what this ship looks like. These are what these characters look like. You know, you had an idea of this, whereas with Rebels, they were creating planets and people and creatures that were just ideas. And so uh, turning to Ralph McQuarrie's art for them seemed just right. And I think that's what created such a beautiful design for that show. But anyway, so that's uh, Bombad Jedi. That's uh, the episode. That's our uh, thoughts. And that's our those uh, interesting details about it. Yeah. Um, and so we leave off with Gunray captured, uh, which is what leads us into our next episode, um, where we see the bad guys don't really like that nuclear gun race captured. Yeah. So we're going to find out what they're going to do about it. What you going to do when they come for you, new mm-hmm. gun ray? <laughs> Cower in fear. <laughs> Alrighty, so moving on to season one, episode nine, Cloak of Darkness. So where we last left off is gun ray's been captured. I forgot to mention in that is that it turned out to be a whole big ruse, apparently. Um, in the end, it turned out that Padme and Anaconda had set up the arrangement to capture Gunray. Um, in that, so Anaconda never really went to the separatist side. He just said that he would to lure Newt Gunray out so that way he could be captured. Mm-hmm. Seemed like a whole convoluted thing, but. Whatever. It makes Anaconda less of a bad guy in the end. It turns out that, no, they were just working it out together. So, mm-hmm. uh, Jedi Master Luminara Unduli, along with the 41st Elite Corps under Commander Gree, and uh, visiting apprentice Ahsoka Tano, are upon the ship Tranquility with uh, Nuke Gunray. Uh, and so he's en route to uh, face trial for all of his bad Trade Federation stuff. And so that's kind of where our episode is for today. Well, not today. Right now. I mean, it is today. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Every day's today, John. No, not really. <laughs> um, the moral for this episode is ignore your instincts at your peril. Good advice. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into some conversations about there's some duality to mm-hmm. the, I, the the moral and idea uh, for this episode a little bit, but yeah, we'll get there. Um, the opening narration is Vice Gun uh, Vice Gunroy Catch. Vice Gunray. Vice Roy Gunray. Vice Roy Gunray. Roy the Vice Boy. Good Lord! I don't know why that was so difficult. Uh, Viceroy Gunray captured Senator Padme Amidala has scored a victory against the Separatist Alliance on the remote world of Rhodia, securing the arrest of the diabolical Confederate leader Newt Gunray. Mm-hmm. The Jedi Council has dispatched De- uh, Master Luminara Unduli and Anakin Skywalker's Padawan Ahsoka to escort the Viceroy to Coruscant under heavy guard. Once there, he will face trial for his many crimes. Or will he? No. <laughs> I mean, he shows up in Revenge of the Sith and gets killed by Anakin. So no, exactly that that's when he faces uh, the the consequences of his crimes. Yeah. But anyway, um, so I guess kind of 
Ahsoka's doing this sort of shadow program, mm-hmm. just hanging out with Luminara to learn some stuff. Or yeah, which I don't know. Luminara is awesome. So yeah, yeah, she's pretty much the Shakti of this series. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, she gets the treatment that Shakti got in the last Clone War series, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of being a really, really cool uh, BA woman of yeah. the galaxy, um, really kicking some butt and taking some names and whatnot. <laughs> I'm, I've come here to kick your hiney and chew bubblegum. And bubblegum doesn't exist in this universe. I'm sure it does. I'm sure they have some kind of equivalent. You, you want to buy some bubblegum? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so they're aboard the ship, uh, the Tranquility, and they're escorting Gunray. Uh, they also have Cynic Commandos involved in this. Mm-hmm. Um, Which have some very cool armor. Yeah, so basically they took the helmet of the regular Senate Guard and then replaced the robes with um, clone armor. Mm-hmm. Uh, really effective since, you know, you're not very threatening in a giant blue robe. But I don't whatever. know. If I saw someone coming at me in a giant blue robe, I'd be offended. Or I'd be scared. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be offended and scared. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, so I guess because he's... A political war criminal or something. I, I, yeah, I'm not really sure. The reason, my my reasoning for why they used Senate commandos is, spoiler alert, uh, the captain of the commandos, the boy with the devil hair, defects. Yeah, um, and turns out to be helping Asajj Ventress, who also shows up in this episode, mm-hmm. um, break Newt Gunray out in some booty shorts. Yeah, like, wow. Well, she does that. She, she she appears like that quite regularly. She doesn't have the swooping yeah. broom skirt. Also, normal. girlfriend got some gams. What? She's got nice legs. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, they, they took her long neck and put it all in her legs. This time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, the captain of the guard um, betrays everybody else and helps her break Gunray out. I think because they wanted a character on the inside to help Asajj, mm-hmm. they didn't want to do another clone. So I think they said, eh, well, what about Senate Commandos? What if we make that a thing? Yeah. Um, because a clone had already helped Ventress in, back in the Christophsis arc, uh, clone Slick. Yes. Um, so. He lived up to his name. Yeah. <laughs> um, it would have been a little repetitive to have yet another clone uh, defect and uh, you know turn bad and help Ventress. So I think I my I think that's why mm-hmm. the Senate Commandos are there. I I don't think there's an in universe reason because really they could have used the Coruscant Guard shock troopers uh, if they were treating it as a political mission, you know. Mm-hmm. But meh. Anyway, yeah. Uh, that's just that aside. So. As I mentioned, Ventress is sent um, to break Gunray out. This episode and the next episode are really nice because they basically show, they take seriously that Ventress and Grievous fail a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, the, <laughs> Boy, howdy, do they. A big plot of both episodes are that Dooku is fed up with it because Sidious is fed up with it. Yeah. And so he tries to get both of them to snap it up and get into gear. And so he, he tells her, you know, you cannot fail this time. You have to prove that you're worth keeping around yeah and so he sends her in and her her point in in the plot is to cause distraction uh she shows up with a bunch of droid pods um and well a droid boarding party so Mm -hmm. several uh b2 battle droids 
Um, and then she shows up. She cripples the ship's um, uh, various electronics in order to make their escape later easier. Uh, and, of course, distracts the Jedi. While she's doing this, Captain Argaius of the Senate Commandos is meant to break Gunray out and get him to a ship. Mm-hmm. And they'll meet in the middle and escape into victory. Um, I got, like, coffee burps out the wazoo. <laughs> thanks for thanks for sharing. <laughs> um, the people need to know. Along the way, though, uh, get some really cool action. Um, I have to say that the clones were very bad at repelling the droids. Yeah. Because only three uh, droid pods attacked the ship. Mm-hmm. I do not offhand know how many they can hold, but let's just round it out to 30. Right? Mm-hmm. That's still only 90 droids. That's still, I mean, yes, there are B2 battle droids, but that's still not a lot. Yes, I uh, trust your math. A Venator class. Star Destroyer has a complement of 7,200 clones. Yes, some of those are in engineering positions and, um, you know, various nav computer positions and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. That still leaves you a pretty good complement of battle-ready troopers. Yeah. I do not understand why it was so difficult for them to repel the droids. Like, I just don't think... That works for me in the plot. I don't think there's a real way to explain, you know, oh, well, they were understaffed. Why? Yeah. (laughs) They've got a whole bunch of clones. Why would they not have enough on a ship? Uh, Like, it doesn't quite make sense. But regardless. um, Well, I would. I don't. Wait a minute. That was a much later episode. I was going to say, like, what about when, you know, a droid or. A clone defected. They probably had to go through like a rigorous retraining process for a lot of them. No, but maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <you, laughs> it's just a theory. I mean, you'd have to think they'd have to pull everybody back in, recondition, mm-hmm. and make sure everyone's fine. Uh-huh. They're, they're not going to go through all that trouble. No, they're just they're just clones. I mean, if anything, you know, Sidious would have swept it under the rug because it, it's very possible that that could have had something to do with. Uh, the biochip and the Order 66 thing kind of Ooh. malfunctioning to where he's thinking of the Jedi. Because you think he thinks of the Jedi as the bad guys. He thinks of them as slave owners. And mm-hmm. so that sort of animosity towards the Jedi, I could link to a malfunctioning biochip. I get you. Um, so Palpatine was probably like, eh, that's just one crazy clone, you know. Yeah. Um, and also there's probably, there's, there's definitely an ideal in the Republic of, oh, if another one defects, we'll just kill him. Well, pretty much. I mean, yeah. it's like a droid. They just, they malfunction. <sighs> anyway. Clone rights. So, um, yeah. So, in the end, Luminara Unduli goes to face Ventress um, alone. Ahsoka doesn't quite like that because she's fought Ventress. Um, and... Tries to tell her, you know, you, you, you're going to need help. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Ahsoka had just kind of gone toe-to-toe with interest fairly yeah. well. But um, regardless, for plot's sake, she leaves Argaius, two guards, and Commander Gree with Newt Gunray while she goes to help Luminara. The battle with Luminara versus Ventress is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of action and choreography, lots of cool little dialogue where she... She kind of pokes and prods at Ventress, which isn't really a good idea for 
no. a Sith. No, their whole thing is emotion. So right, uh-huh. make her angry. I mean, it's literally like Hulk hulking out. It's like yeah. make her angry, and it gets worse. She gets stronger. Exactly. Um, but whatever. Uh, it it's really it's really cool. Uh, the reason it's so frustrating though is because because she mentions like oh I can recognize because it's really cool actually. She mentions like I can recognize Dooku's style anywhere. And there's a moment where Ventress is like ha ha, and but <laughs> then she's like eh, but you're not good at it. And so it's kind of like. <laughs> All right, now Dooku's telling me I'm not very good. He's he's saying I need to do better. Yeah. Now she's saying like you know so yeah she needs to chill. Um, it could be used as as an explanation for why this the fight started teetering more into Ventress's um, corner a little bit. Maybe she just got angry enough. Nonetheless, though, Ahsoka shows up at just the right time to help her out, and we do again get some great choreography and fighting action and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that is really well done. Simultaneously, Argaius reveals himself to be a turncoat. Mm-hmm. He kills the other two guards and dukes it out with Gree only to get knocked out. But then Gree stupidly forgets that Gunray's in the room and Gunray knocks him out. Yeah. Um, luckily, they don't kill him because he doesn't die until Revenge of the Sith. So uh, he's just kind of left <laughs> there unconscious while Gunray and Argaius escape. Meanwhile, um, once Ventress gets the signal that they've escaped, she leaves the Jedi and um, makes it to an escape pod, launches and meets with the ship that Argaius stole, and then they head off. Um, And so Gunray is released, uh, and there's quite a lot of loss on the Republic's end. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's a lot of trouble for one guy, but it's also, it gave us a very good episode um, I think, um, some good action and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I like at the end where, you know, Gunray's talking to Argaius and he's like, ah, I, I knew there was something good about you. Uh, and then Ventress comes in and of course Argaius is being just ridiculous. And so she of kills course. him, uh, <laughs> justifiably, uh, also, yeah. also quite darkly, but yeah, I think he... it's good. And then, and then Gunray's like, I knew I liked something about you. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the exact same thing. Um, it's a good representation of his his character. Is just like he's just yeah. Whoever's the baddest at the moment is is who he serves exactly um, and whatnot. So, but really good episode. I, I I really liked this one. I think this was the first time Ventress has had some success in a while and has been scary again and mm-hmm. been threatening. It's also nice to have Luminara unduly show up, uh, have a different Jedi. Of course, Ahsoka's there, but anytime we can get away from uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin a little bit, I do enjoy because it can too often become the Anakin-Obi-Wan Rex and Ahsoka show. Uh, And yes, you want to have your main characters that the audience can kind of latch on to, but for me, it's also like... I want other stories of other Jedi. I want other adventures out there. You know, I want something mm-hmm. different sometimes. Yeah, like, I loved seeing Luminara. Mm-hmm. Like, I go absolutely nuts when we have a solo episode of, well, not solo episode, but a main episode of another Jedi. Because, mm-hmm. like, other Jedis are cool. Exactly. Like our next episode. Um, yeah. And so, um, I, I don't know if maybe this was before Luminara had gotten the apprentice, her apprentice, Barisafi, mm-hmm. um, or if maybe Barris was doing the shadow program with another Jedi. Yeah. 
Didn't we see her in the movie? Or was no, that was 2003 Clone Series. She was in the series and she was in Attack of the Clones. She um she appears alongside her master there. So actually no, then yeah. So I guess Barris was just off with some other master. Yeah. She was I, taking a nap. I do think that's kind of a useful idea of, you know, a Padawan kind of and, and it could give more credence to the <coughs> Bless <Or me>. you. <laughs> Not supposed to sneeze when we're recording. I'm sorry. Just keep it in there. My nose, it, it got all goopy and I needed to expel. <laughs> Thanks for that. You're welcome. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it. you know, when Obi-Wan talks about, like, you know, Yoda trained me, um, a lot of people think, oh, well, Yoda trained all younglings, so maybe that's what he's talking about. But it could also be this, where mm-hmm. maybe Obi-Wan went and hung out with Yoda for a week to train with him. Yeah. You know, uh I think it's a good idea to have Padawans move around a little bit so that they can learn from multiple masters. Um, there's no reason they should only train from one master because then all they do is pass pass on what that master thinks, you know? Yeah. Um, so for a Padawan to really get a wider perspective, I mm-hmm. think it's good to kind of have multiple mentors for them. Yeah. And I assume that's what this is meant to be, um, at least, is... Just Ahsoka just hanging out with a different Jedi in this instance. Because she gets times where she interacts with Plo Koon more often and whatnot. Um, yeah. So I just assume that that's what that's about. Yeah, Wouldn't you kind of think after knowing all of their their history, don't you think that Plo Koon probably... Too much attachment. Mm-hmm. You're right. Mm-hmm. It would have it been seen as... Which is honestly why it would have been... That's why I would have liked Qui-Gon to train Anakin a little bit more because Qui-Gon was attached to the boy. Yeah. Um, he had a relationship with him and, and clearly mm-hmm. Anakin was attached to him. And so having given them more time to develop that relationship and then to pluck that away from him yeah. would have been much more traumatizing, I think, than I, I think it would have put more in Anakin's bucket for turning to the dark side. Yeah. Um, I I do think that clearly... Qui-Gon's passing was a thorn in Anakin's side, and he had always kind of kept that. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's really hard for him to be like, oh, Master Qui-Gon would have been a better Jedi than you, when yeah. you really didn't know him that much. You 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 loved him because he freed you, because he was the yeah. first Jedi to believe in you and fight for you. Um, so, of course you have attachment, but anyway, that's just... That's me and my headcanon and whatnot. But anyway, um, some interesting details on this episode is that it introduces us to the Senate commandos um, under Captain Argaius, as mentioned. And he is voiced by James Marsters. Marsters. Marsden? Marsters? No. Marsters. Mars bars. No, not Mars bars. Marsters. (laughs) Literally masters with an R. Um, he was uh, apparent. I I looked at his IMDb very briefly um, and saw one thing and was like, okay, that's enough. Uh, <laughs> he was apparently in Buffy the Vampire Slayer at some point. I don't know. Like for a couple episodes, I think. I don't know. Okay, I'm googling this boy. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> I love Buffy the Vampire. Slayer. I know that's why I didn't want to mention it. But <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on. While you do that, um, we're also introduced to Olivia. Dabo, I believe is how you pronounce that last name. What? He was Spike. 
Oh. Dude! What? Oh. <laughs> that means nothing to me. He, he, how Have you seen any episodes no. of No. <laughs> have you seen episodes of Angel? Huh? That's him. He's got cheekbones out the wazoo. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Like, he was the bad boy vampire. But yeah, I love that guy. But yeah, um... He's the very... Yeah. I can't believe I didn't recognize his voice. Yeah. Neat. I'm very excited now. Well, there you go. <laughs> Our guys actually kind of looked like uh, him a little bit then. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, yes. Olivia Abdabo, I believe is how you pronounce Abu Dhabi. Um, as Luminara Unduli. Uh, I believe I saw on her IMDb that she was involved with like DC stuff, Justice League, and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so not new to voice acting. Yeah. Um, and the only other thing really, there wasn't a whole lot for this episode, but the only other thing is that I, pre- I noted that I appreciate that the droid boarding pods are finally used as boarding pods. Yeah. We've seen them twice already, and they've not been used as boarding pods. The first time we see them, they're being used to crush escape pods um, in the Malevolence episodes. Mm -hmm. So they're essentially being used in the reverse because, again, the idea is that they puncture in like a thumbtack and then spread out so that they can shoot droids into the ship. They were using the reverse of that where they, instead of spreading out, spread in to crush the pods. Clever on the droids' part, yes, but not the proper function of a boarding pod. Yeah. The second time we see them in Rookies last week, um, a little bit more like it, but they were basically just, they they weren't boarding pods. They were deploying uh, pods in that function. But here, you see them properly tack into a ship, spread their uh, pincers, and then deploy the, sh- deploy the droids. Mm-hmm. So I just appreciate when things are used the way they're supposed to. Yes. And I also learned that apparently they're based off of ju- juicers. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, I never quite saw that, but sure. Now that I, I don't mean, know. when you're juicing clones out of a pod. Well, I, like I said, I, I've always equated it to a thumbtack. It looks like a thumbtack that you press in, and then the little needle just spreads out to open a hole for the droids to deploy in. Yeah, I, didn't, I get you. I don't think of it as a juicer, but Not I guess that ship like an orange. Uh, Another fun fact, uh, just because I thought of it, is that General Grievous' face design was actually based on when you stare directly at a spray bottle. Um, Like, if you're looking at a spray bottle like you're going to shoot yourself in the face, apparently it looks a little bit like the profile of General Grievous. And so... That's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) Doug Chang, uh, I believe, is the one that came up with that. He was just, like, staring into the eyes of a spray bottle one day. It was just like... <laughs> well, I mean, they they literally could not settle on a design. George Lucas didn't like anything, and so one day he just saw that and was like, "That's a cool shape." And that's a droid. Yeah, that's a boy. Uh, and it turned out that George loved it. So mm-hmm. there you go. R two D two was a trash can. So goes goes to show you can get inspiration from just about anything. Um, what did you What did you think of the uh, the episode? I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I will admit, I kind of called. The the captain defecting pretty early on because yeah. of his hairstyle. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, he's he's blonde and pompous, so yes. pretty sure. Much like Spike. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't recall whether or not I saw that or not. I, I don't yeah. remember if I caught that until it happened. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely looking at it now, I all the signals are kind of there. Yeah. Um, and so what I was going to say kind of regarding the moral that we had as well is because he tells when Ahsoka's like, uh, you know, Luminara needs my help. She doesn't know how to deal with Ventress. Mm-hmm. Should I go and help her? He's like, I think you sometimes being a good soldier means doing what you think is right. Yeah. Um, and it's very similar to the idea of the moral in that, you know, don't neglect your instincts. Uh, I mean, you could go both ways. Yeah. Ahsoka's instincts told her to go to Luminara. It's good that she did. Luminara probably would have been killed by Ventress otherwise. Uh, but she also kind of should have stayed in order to prevent our guys from breaking out gun ray. Yeah. So it's kind of a, a, sometimes your instincts can tell you to do something you that seems right, but ultimately gives you more to have to fix later. Yeah. Like it, it's one of those things of you might be right to reply a certain way to someone that made you angry. Um, but is that going to only make the situation worse? You know, yeah. again, your instincts say, Hey, they said something mean to me. I'm right to be able to say something back to them. Yeah. But, but just because it's justifiable doesn't mean it's justifiable doesn't mean it's necessary. Exactly. And so it's one of those scenarios where it it's one of those hard morals because it's so subjective, you know, not only is it subjective to different individuals, instincts but it's also subjective to different instincts for different situations yeah so it's kind of one of those awkward situations where it's like that's good advice but with a little asterisk by it kind of thing yeah um terms and conditions apply because i do agree with our guys sometimes you have to do what you think is right that's what makes you a good person sometimes not Mm -hmm. doing what you're told but doing what's right but sometimes there's times when you you can do what you think is right and Again, it might be right. You might ask 10 people and they all say, yeah, you were right to do that. Mm-hmm. And yet it still made the situation worse. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's it's an interesting little moral discussion there. But um, anyway, yeah. we'll leave it at that because we can go down the rabbit trail on that for sure. But uh, we have another episode to get to, a very good episode, my favorite episode. Oh, yeah, it's a great episode. Three. So we'll go ahead and move on on the Clone Wars train. Moving on. All right, last episode, again, best episode, I think. All of these episodes are great. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. I think uh, the if I had to order them, it would be the reverse. It would be 10, 9, and 8. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that the episode with Jar Jar was lesser than. I just think that the action and uh, different dialogues and different atmospheres of episode 10 and 9 um, work better for me. Mm-hmm. It's one of those where I like episode 8. I really like episode nine. I love episode 10. <laughs> so um, anyway, so this episode is uh, season one, episode 10, Lair of Grievous. Um, I always forget how early this happens. Um, for some reason, I didn't think it was until much later, um, like season two or something. But for some reason, that's just my brain being weird. But it does happen in season one, mm-hmm. uh, which is good because that means we get to talk about it sooner. Because I, I, this was one... There's quite a few episodes that I'm dying for you to be able to see with the Clone Wars, and this was one of them. Oh, yeah. Um, and I see why. I think this is Grievous goals with Clone Wars, because Grievous can get such poor treatment in the Clone Wars. I often criticize 
how sort of Saturday morning cartoon villain it, it, he is. Yeah. Of he tries some convoluted plot, he's scary for a little bit, but then the the heroes win and he just runs away. Yeah. And I know that he has to survive until Revenge of the Sith in order to actually face uh, his final battle. But when it's just so simply put of, oh, here's the plot. Oh, nope, I'm I'm not winning, so I'm going to run away and leave my droids just to handle it. Like, I just think they play up the kind of cowardice a little too much. Like, I mean, it, it crosses the line from selfish to cowardice. Like, you yeah. can see it as, oh, it's selfish of him to leave, you know, with well, this situation as it is, you know, and only protect and look after himself. But really, no, it's just because he's a scaredy cat, I think, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, self-preservation, it only goes so far sometimes. Yeah, and so, and I think it's because there's, you know, in in the comics, in the Legends of Clone Wars, there were a lot of bad guys. There were a lot of dark acolytes. There were, def- there were several um, bad guys that they could use for various stories, yeah. some of which they could straight up kill if they wanted, if they wanted to resolve a plot or something. Um, or if they wanted someone to do something really, really bad, you mm-hmm. know, and then pay the price for it, they could do that. They didn't have just Dooku, Ventress, or Grievous. Here they have Dooku, Ventress, and Grievous. Mm-hmm. So they At can't least for really, the time being. Yeah. So they can't really do anything with them that has high stakes, of course. So it also feels like if you don't use one of those guys, it's too light of a story. If you're just using droids, it's too light. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't know. But I think this episode gets Grievous right. Uh, I think it's very well done. And even the moments where he's clearly pulling back because he's he's scared of, of dying or, you know, he's doing that usual Grievous of, oh, nope, I'm kind of done. It's still done better here, I think, than in most yeah. cases. It's not a just, oh, I'll get you next time, you rascally yeah. Jedi. No, this time it's a little bit more... Uh, really, it's less on his part. It's more on the Jedi's part of... Now, I would have gotten him if he hadn't run away kind yeah. of situation. But anyway, we'll get into it. But the moral of this episode is most powerful is he who controls his own power. Um, power... Uh, and how it's wielded and used is a big deal in this episode um, from the character of Grievous, but also from a new character introduced in this na- uh, named Nadar Beb. Mm-hmm. Um, there's um, really good lines from Kit Fisto at the end where he says, you know, Nadar tried to match Grievous's power with his own. Um, and it's this idea of it's a power play, but really uh, you're most powerful when you can control yourself. Um, and, and I think that's true in, in life and in most situations, you know, we think that we have to acquire this, 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 and this to be liked and attractive and successful and powerful when really, if we are masters of ourself is when we're more powerful Mm -hmm. than all the stuff we could have. Um, ultimately self-control and self-awareness are far more valuable qualities than any stuff you could acquire. Yeah. Um, that people would admire you for, um, you know, cause Grievous very much in here, he said, he talked about how powerful he is. Um, and yeah. you know, Kit Fisto challenges that of saying like, you know, it, no one's scared of you. It's not scary. Mm-hmm. You know, you, this power doesn't mean anything. 
And so Grievous is clearly doing what he's doing uh, for the power, for the glory, for the victory and the medals and the accolades. Well, we see in his lair, like he has all of these statues of himself in his warlord days, Mm -hmm. you know, before he made all of these modifications or improvements to his own body, which... In Legends, I think I kind of like the Legends explanation a little bit more. Yeah, I like the tragedy of it more. Oh, yeah. Um, because you're a tragic boy. Yeah. Now, here, <laughs> here it, again, when you take it in light of the moral and the idea of the episode, yeah. it makes sense because he's, he's wanting more power. Mm-hmm. What, a, what better way to get more power than to make yourself stronger, faster, better, Aren't you know, make yourself, you know, tireless. He doesn't run out of energy. He doesn't get tired. He just, you know, he's he's made himself into this almost perfect weapon. And yet, regardless of all that, regardless of all the things that he has that make him such a bad guy, he's still the one that runs away the most of the time. Yeah. He's still the one that tries to protect himself most of the time. And despite all the power that he has, uh, it still fails a lot. Yeah. Um, so it's a big lesson of, yeah, Grievous has a lot of power, and yet... He's also constantly under Dooku's boot for failing and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. But yeah, in Legends, um, it was much more tragic. Um, he he went to the Separatists to help um, in in compensation for um, protection for his planet and stuff like that. He was doing it for his people. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a lot a lot less prideful. He was like, "I'll take these jobs because I'm a great warrior." And they'll take care of my people and my planet if I do this. Mm -hmm. And then at one point he wanted to go back to his planet. And Dooku was like, "Uh, no. Uh, And so in order to keep him there, they uh, blew up his ship with him in it. And saved, quote unquote, him. um, And said, hey, you know, the Jedi did this to you. The Jedi made an attempt on your life. um, So you, you have more reason to want to help us destroy the Jedi now. Yeah. You know, and that's what created his hate of Jedi. And so they were like, Hey, we can help you kill more Jedi. If you want, we can make you stronger. We can make you faster. We can make you, you know, we have the technology. Exactly. (laughs) You know, um, $6 million man. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And so it's much, it, yes, he still technically chose to be grievous. Mm -hmm. Um, but out of necessity, out of, if I'm going to be a great warrior again, if I'm going to get revenge on these terrible Jedi, then I'm going to have to do this. Whereas here, it's much more of a, hey, my arm's not strong enough. I want to replace that. Hey, my legs aren't fast enough. I want to replace that. Hey, you know, my lungs are too weak. I want to replace, you know, I I don't know exactly how it all started, but he basically chose to do this, um, to become this, cybernetic droid general mm-hmm. um if okay if you had the option would you take any kind of cybernetic enhancements and what would they be whatever would allow me to not need sleep anymore <laughs> so that i could just have wow. more time i love sleep what is wrong with you i mean i like sleep for the comfort but it also takes away time like i could get so much more done if i didn't have I to sleep you. i get you so what whatever would allow me to do that and just be able to go 100 percent all day like yeah whatever i'm gonna i'm gonna give a very depressing answer <laughs> like whatever would allow me to live without pain 
that's not depressing. That's just human. Well, I don't want to yeah. hurt. <laughs> yeah. Like I have a lot of issues with my back and my knees and mm-hmm. you know, as I get older, yeah, it's gotten worse. Putting your hand on fire is a little inconvenient right now. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd like to just be able to enjoy fire <laughs> without my body screaming at me. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I get you. I, I get don't think, like, I, don't, I don't think that's depressing. I think knee, that's hip, you. back replacement. Right. You might as well just be grievous at that point. <laughs> at least I'll have a sick cape and I'll get to scuttle around the ground. Right, scuttle, scuttle, scuttle. And just like creep up on you and go boo. Exactly. I do that anyway, but it would be a lot more effective that way. Um, so, but anyway, um, I do I, I, I do kind of like the legends. I like the idea of, again, him choosing it in mm-hmm. view of this episode where he chose it to be more powerful. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense for him. Uh, again, I just like the tragedy of he's serving Dooku who arranged for him to be blown up and, you know, like the whole, yeah. oh, if he had only found out like kind of stuff, yeah. you know, it, it's one, I, I like when the bad guys just have bad stories like that kind of stuff Yeah. Ra- rather than, oh, he's a bad, scary dude who chose to be that way kind of thing. So you like tragedies, huh? Yeah. You ever heard the tragedy? Yes, I Darth have. Plagueis the Wise? Yes, I have. Thank you. It's not um, a story that the Jedi will tell you. It It's very contrasting to Anakin, who didn't choose to be Vader. He didn't yes. choose to be the powerful cybernetic Sith Lord that he became. Yes. He literally was... It was out of necessity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, the, the parallels of that story and Grievous's legend story are purposeful. They, yeah. Grievous was meant to be a shadow of Vader to come. Yeah. Of the, you know, hey, we can't get our disciples to do what we want we'll make them to do what we want we'll enhance them to make them better and more uninhibited and all this other stuff yeah. so anyway we, we've gone on a pretty yeah. interesting tangent but nonetheless um the opening narration of this episode that we're supposed to be talking about <laughs> says vice grunroy escapes en route to coruscant to stand trial for war crimes evil separatist leader nuke gunray has broken free of his jedi escort with the help of Count Dooku's sinister agents and villainous, the villainous Viceroy has made a daring getaway. Alerted to the bold prison break, Jedi Master Kit Fisto has traced the stolen ship to a remote system, hoping to recapture Gunray and return him to justice. Hashtag fishboy. Yeah. Love so, this boy. Um, I enjoy that this doesn't in, uh, involve water, um, <laughs> you know, not to be racist uh, towards Ooh. Fisto or anything. Just mm-hmm. to be like, hey... It's a water planet. Why don't we send Fish Boy? Um, because not only do they, do they send one Fish Boy, they send two. Yeah. Uh, we get the Nautilin Kit Fisto. We also get uh, the Moncala uh, Nadar Veb, which, interestingly enough, was Kit Fisto's previous apprentice. He's a Jedi Knight now. He's a full Jedi. He's his own man now. But originally, he was Fisto's apprentice. I find it interesting that they put one amphibian with another. Like Yeah. Uh, can only amphibians train amphibians or something? Well, Sean, they only speak blah, blah. blah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where it's just like, it's really cool. Yeah. Because, you know, Mon Cala Jedi, that's awesome. Um, and it's really, Fisto and Nadar have this, like you put those two together and they look good. Yeah. You know, um, they look good paired together and side by side. So yeah, there's a, there's an aesthetic to it, but, Deep down, there's also this kind of moral question of... Mm, That's kind of racist. Can, do you not trust Fisto to drain, train humans? Like, 
Hey, Fisto, are you sure you can stay underwater for five hours? What he's do you mean? Sleeping. My last Padawan could. <laughs> he's like, he hasn't come back. He's like, oh, he's probably just enjoying the water. Yeah. No, he's dead. What do you mean? He's taking a nap. You humans don't have gills? What? <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but it's really cool. I, I enjoy seeing Fisto. I'm glad he gets some feature. Mm-hmm. He does show up on a water episode later, which is nice because more Fisto, but again, it goes back to the, of course they send Fisto. Yeah. But um, Nadar shows up with uh, some clones. Not really sure what group they're with. They, I've checked Wikipedia, the Star Wars databank. Nothing indicates what their squad affiliation is so you know yeah. you got the 212th the 41st you got the 104th you've got the 501st you've got the Coruscant guard i don't know who these guys belong to um but they look cool whose clones are these right um they do look cool i'll give them that and so um the the design for the planet uh planet vasic is where uh Grievous's lair is mm-hmm. uh really cool lots of fog and stone mountains very very eerie, very creepy. Oh, yeah. Looked a lot like when we walked out of the house yesterday. Morning. Yeah. It was spooky. Um, and so the Jedi and the clones explore a little bit um, before Grievous shows up. Because what it turns out is they didn't just happen to wander in. Uh, they were led there, um, as we see revealed by Dooku. Mm-hmm. Um, Dooku, as with the last episode with Ventress, Dooku reaches out to Grievous and says, Hey, you've been messing up a lot. We want to see some proof that you're worth keeping around. Yeah. So we're going to let some Jedi wander around and you're going to have to deal with them. Yes. Enjoy your midterms. Um, and so it's it's a very Sith thing of it's the test. Whoever wins, you know, wins. It, uh, well, what I mean by that is if Grievous wins, he's worth keeping around. If Gre- if the Jedi win, then mm-hmm. Grievous is out of the way. We'll find someone who's better. Kind mm-hmm. of it, it, in that regard, it's very Sith-like. Um, and so, you know, Grievous shows up and, uh, while Fisto and Nadar think they find, um, Gunray, turns out Gunray's not there. Yeah. They just led the, uh, tracking beacon there so that the Jedi would be there. Juku reveals that, hey, this is a trap, but for who? Um, and just kind of lets them wander around until Grievous shows up. They see yeah. some of his trophies and whatnot, um. And so when Grievous gets there, he's kind of sp- sprung on. Like, yeah. you know, they, they come out of nowhere on him. And they actually do really good to restrain him. Yeah. Um, so Nadar and Fisto um, distract his lightsabers while the clones um, use grapple cables on his legs to keep him from running away. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually a really good plot. And it shows Fisto's intelligence. Yeah. Of looking at an enemy and finding the best way to um, debilitate them. It's really cool. Um, As opposed to Nadar, his apprentice who just wants to attack. Um, So Fisto uses his intelligence in this. Um, They cut off Grievous's legs, which turn out to be the worst thing because that allows him to um, crawl away a bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. While he had his legs, he was a bit more stuck, but um, it gave him a little bit too much freedom, and so he was able to escape. And then we get this cool... Um, moment where he's um, he's kind of in the control station. He's got those security cameras up and he's watching everything. Yeah. He lets loose his uh, pet doggo, um, Gore, <laughs> um, to distract them while he gets himself repaired. He has his own medical droid to do that. 
Um, and as you mentioned, before Grievous shows up, they're they're looking around, and while they see some of his trophies, they also see um, some of the uh, statues that mm-hmm. he has of himself. Yeah. I really like the progression of the statues where you, the first one you see is just Grievous. Yeah. It's old school, you know, non-cyborg Grievous. Mm-hmm. And then the next one you see, instead of having his classic arms, it actually has his robot arms. Uh, and then the other one has the robot face. Yeah. It's really cool um, design-wise to kind of show the progression into being the full cyborg that he is now. Kind of shows he didn't intend to probably go that far. Yeah. But... Um, He's where he is now. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever read the Hellboy comics, there's a character mm-hmm. that you see in the movie called Cronin. Carl um, Rupert Cronin, who is a Nazi who was obsessed with perfection. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where he started doing these surgeries on himself, like shortening his nose. Um, he actually made his eyes bluer. He shaved his head when his hair wasn't right. To the point where he basically disfigured himself. And then when he decided that wasn't enough, he started taking out um, his internal organs and replacing them with clockworks. Mm -hmm. That's why in the movies, you know, you see him, you know, cranking up his heart before he attacks. Mm -hmm. Um, All of the liquid in his body, all of his blood and you know, stomach acid and all that stuff, is turned to sand. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely crazy. Hmm. Like, he is one of my favorite comic book characters. Mm-hmm. Um, like, his backstory is so cool. Mm-hmm. You know, other than the fact that he is a Nazi. Right. That that kind of... That kind of sucks. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's very similar. It, oh, yeah. Once re- you start, you can't stop. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Because once you enhance one thing... You've got to enhance everything else to match it. And, yeah. You know, that, and, and that's basically what it is. It's like once you realize how much stronger a cybernetic arm is, you're like, oh, why do I need the other one? Yeah. And then it's the same thing of what if my legs were this strong? You know, that's what I say. It's yeah. like. I can move so fast. Right. So. I need two more arms. What I find interesting is, and what we don't see in his original form is like the whole, uh, you know, for instance, we make fun of his scuttling. Yeah. Um. And if you don't know what we mean, it's when he gets on all six uh, appendages and kind of crawls like a spider. <laughs> That's the sound he makes. It's it's in, it's interesting to think whether or not this was something his people may have done mm-hmm. um, as some sort of attack, or if he just learned one day he could do that. Yeah, you know, because very much uh, it's it's just interesting to see or to think about. How much did he change his habits and behaviors yeah. because of being cybernetic now? Yeah. So it's like um, I forget what movie it is or TV show or something, but there's a uh, there's a cyborg character in a movie where he has completely forgotten how to be human because mm-hmm. he's been a cyborg for so long. I guess it's something similar to that, except for whatever Grievous's race is. Uh, Kalish. Kalish. It's like you don't even recognize him as Kalish anymore. Mm-hmm. You like, do you think his people would even recognize him if they saw him right. as a Kalish? Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what <laughs> that's one of those thing loose ends that's fixed in the regard that you know he was helping the separatists for his people's sake, 
and then chose to become Grievous in mm-hmm. order to get revenge on the Jedi. Yeah. You know, I'm sure in that scenario, he probably thought at one point he'd go back to his people and be regarded as some war hero. But yeah. they probably wouldn't think of him as much of a, you know, Kalish anymore. Exactly. Um, and, you know, whereas in this case where it's much more of a choice, it's easier to think he doesn't care what his own people probably think of him. Yeah. Um, if any of his people still exist, we don't know in canon. Yeah. Um, so. And I think that's another, like, callback to Anakin slash Vader of, you know, he was doing this supposedly for the good of the Republic, for the good of Padme. Mm-hmm. But when confronted with what he had done, Padme didn't recognize that as, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, you did this for me. I'm so I'm so happy. Right. She didn't know she was going to die. Mm-hmm. Like, Anakin just forgot to let her know about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, the Republic absolutely crumbled after mm-hmm. all that. So he never got the recognition that he thought he deserved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so it, it's really interesting how many parallels in legends in, in the original ideas of Lucas uh, there are for um, Grievous and, and Vader slash Anakin and whatnot. It's yeah. really cool. So um, Grievous fixes himself up, uh, which it's, for me, it was interesting. I never thought of, he's got this whole closet of stuff yeah. um, for this scenario, but um, yeah. we also get a very sexy droid. Yeah, I love his droid. Um, I'm sad he dies. Yeah. There is a Lego figure of his droid, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, he gets all fixed up. His pet Gore ends up getting killed by uh, Fisto and Nadar yeah. only after killing um, the commander that's with him, Commander Phil. Um, Phil. It's F-I-L. It's spelled, <laughs> star- it's spelled like Star Wars Phil, not real Phil. Hey, Phil? <laughs> um and so, uh, but yeah, of course the clones died along the way. Of course. What, what's interesting is the various traps. So Grievous killed a couple of clones. One fell into a pit of lava. Um, and so it's really he interesting. Just has that. Yeah. Well, he, he said, you know, his, his, uh, his, uh, lair has been built for un- uninvited guests, mm-hmm. which I find is interesting. Did he build it? Uh, did he find it? Did he modify it? Where did he get this? Cause he's clearly lived in it a while. Yeah. Uh, longer than we've at least come to know of him in the Clone Wars period. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's interesting to think, uh, you know, in Legends, we knew when Grievous became Grievous. Yeah. Here, it seems like Grievous has been Grievous maybe a little while before the Separatists, uh, before joining the Separatists. I don't know. You know, we can get into so many interesting side trails with Grievous uh, as as we're discovering. Um, But anyway, so Gore's taking care of. Gore's a cool little... Uh, guard pet to have around, basically kind of like a T-Rex. But um, interestingly, he's also cybernetically enhanced, um, which I find, in, you know, it it's one of those things, you know, Grievous yeah. can't help. He's like, I'm so be- much better with my modifications. I can make Gore that much better with modifications. So, Cyber puppy. Exactly. He's like a cheat. No, he's like a Tamagotchi. There you go. <laughs> um, but uh, and, uh, fortunately, that Tamagotchi died. And like they all do. And, and Grievous actually is really upset about it. I don't know. Yeah. Because there's this. That was his puppy. There's this really sad line. Because he, he gets back from being repaired. And he's like, okay, let's see if Gore's finished with them. And then he looks at the 
camera and he's like, gore? Oh, and there's this, I mean, yeah. of course it sounds more like Grievous, but there's, it's, it's really emotional. Yeah. It's, so it's really cool to think like, oh, he liked his puppy. Yeah. Well, we see so many times that Grievous has emotions mm-hmm. as, you know, cybernetic as he is, he feels. But, but, but again, that leads, it's like, how long did he have gore? How yeah. long has Gore been guarding the the you know his lair and all this other stuff? So yeah. gets it gets into some interesting things. It's like that really sad comic. Like, do you remember? I I've shown you that comic before about the uh, Jabba's palace guard who takes care of the Rancor. Yeah. Like that's so sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he liked it. He liked that, that was a little baby. Yeah. So um, Grievous. Uh, makes his way back to uh, the Jedi and catching them in the act of breaking into his headquarters. Yes, like you um, do. And rather than go with Kit Fisto, Nadar decides, no, nah, I'm going to face him. I'm going to mm-hmm. fight him. Uh, all along the way, he's been very aggressive, very angry. Uh, you know, he talks about how the wars changed the rules, that it's okay yeah. for Jedi to be aggressive and angry. We have to be if we're going to win this war. Kind Which of he's kind of right. In a way, yes, but he's going about it the wrong way. Um, and as we see here, he, yeah. he tries to use all of that to overpower Grievous and fails horribly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and quickly, yeah. mind you, of course. Um, I mean, even Ahsoka lasted longer against Grievous than Nadar did. Yeah. So it, it really stinks because I love the design of Nadar so much. I hate that his character was so blah. You yeah. know, like... I mean, again, they're doing the character comes across the way the character is meant to come across, but mm-hmm. it's also annoying because it looks like such a cool character. Oh yeah, and we're both big fans of Alien Jedi. Exactly. So it's like, uh, why do you have to be mean? Why and you gotta be so rude. So Kit Fisto decides the best course of action is to escape. So he signals for his droid to go to the atmosphere, call for help, and then come back to him. Yeah. Um, and so he goes to the landing pad to wait for him mm-hmm. grievous comes out after him and emerges and they get into a very very cool lightsaber fight mm-hmm. um there's a moment when fisto uh relieves uh grievous of nadar's lightsaber uh and uses both lightsabers mm-hmm. uh, against him it's really cool i don't know what it is about kit fisto's aesthetic but seeing him with a blue and a green lightsaber really looks cool oh yeah um it's complimentary it, yeah it was also really nice for him to be able to rescue his Padawan's lightsaber. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've got to, it's one of those things you think about these Jedi's lightsabers are being used to kill other Jedi kind of yeah. thing. Um, we kind of talked about Jedi and spirits uh, in our, our main show here, but I'm, I imagine if they had the ability to, their spirits were probably a little restless about that. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it's nice that he gets to rescue his former Padawan's lightsaber. And so after some cool fighting, um, of course, Grievous can't fight alone. He brings his Magna Guards. And, uh, Which even look though- very cool. Oh, yeah. I love his Magna Guards. They are also IG. They're IG-100s, by the way. Oh, cool. So there you go. They're in the family. Um, I find it funny because he says it in Malevolence arc when facing um, Obi-Wan. And he says it in Revenge of the Sith when facing Obi-Wan. And he, I'm sure he says it a few more times where he's like, I'll deal with him myself. Mm-hmm. No, you won't. No, you will not. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're going to send your guards like a like a big wuss. Exactly. So, I mean, you could look at it as, oh, he's using 
an advantage. Oh, he's being strategic. No, he's just, you know, being unfair. Exactly. But he's a bad guy. They have no concept of fair. So, you know, it's hard to get upset. But anyway, his, his droids kind of tip the favor. So, of course, that's when Kit Fisto is like, okay, yep, I'm done. Uh, and so he uh, hops to his ship and escapes, um, lives to fight and swim another day. As he does. And so in the end, um, Grievous reports back to Dooku and says, eh, everything's fine. The, the, the intruders were repelled. And there's this cool part where Dooku's like, oh, that's awesome. You know, we, we kind of expected the clones and, and the apprentice. That's, that's cool. But the Jedi, awesome. Great job. Mm-hmm. And there's that moment where Grievous has to be like, yeah, he got away. Yeah. So he got a C plus on his midterms. He at least proved he's not total. I mean, to be fair, it's Kit Fisto. He's on the council. He's a, he's a long time Jedi master. Very powerful, very intelligent. Of Mm -hmm. course. Now again, in this scenario, Grievous was going after him. So Grievous didn't run away in this scenario. Kit Fisto ran away. Had, had Grievous continued to fight. I think he would have killed Fisto. Um, I think he would have actually prevailed. So, but regardless, we know that Grievous is is around for the long haul. He's not going anywhere. He'll have plenty of other Jedi to kill later. Um, but Fishboy is off the menu. <laughs> um, some cool notes for this episode. Not a whole lot, but um, in the episode guide for in the episode guide for this episode, it's detailed that the lightsaber that Kit Fisto is examining in Grievous's lair belongs to Jedi Master Nebo, uh, who appeared uh, disappeared while defending refugees on the moons of, uh, let's see, oh, I can't read that. Sanjin is, is that planet. Sorry, I couldn't read my notes for a second. Um, but this is just another example of how they give, there's a story for everything uh, in uh, Star Wars, even some random lightsaber that Kit Fisto picks up for two seconds. Um, what I thought was interesting that I don't know if I noticed before, but I noticed this time is along with lightsabers, it seemed like he had a table of Padawan braids, um, as well, which is interesting. It's also very Boba Fett in that he collects, uh, Wookiee hair and braids it, uh, interestingly. So who do you think taught him how to braid? Or a sing, maybe. Maybe. Or maybe he just knows it because, you know, uh... Only real real men know how to braid. Let's put exactly. it that way. And I'm going to teach you someday. One day, yes. Yes, when we have a little girl so you can braid her hair. There you go. Like Leia. Uh-huh. Um, as mentioned, Grievous's guard dog was named Gore, G-O-R, um, and his species is known as Rogwarts. Really complicated, goofy name for a very scary creature. Yeah, it sounds like just a horrible affliction. Right. I got the Rogwarts. Ugh. I've been down in the bog again. <laughs> I dated this girl and she gave me rock words. Oh, goodness. Um, I do like the design of Gore. Um, I don't believe we see his species come up again uh, at all, but really interesting. I wonder if maybe that's a species uh, relative to um, Grievous's home planet, maybe, or something like that. I'm not sure. But interestingly, uh, vulture and lion vocalizations were used, uh, were combined to create uh, his screeches. Hmm. Really, really weird. 
uh, combination. It's like, you know, Chewbacca is a medley of other animal noises. So. Yeah. Including a uh, elephant. Yeah. There you go. So, Vulture and Lion. I didn't realize vultures made such horrific sounds, but there you go. Oh boy, do they. If you've never heard, like, a vulture on the side of the road, they are terrifying. <laughs> um, Nadar Veb, uh, obviously, is introduced in this episode. He is also voiced by Tom Kenny. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, if you put his voice uh, for Nadar up against his voice for Newt, not that dissimilar sometimes. So, it, yeah. again, it's one of those... Uh, it's Tom Kenny. Um, I love the guy. Don't don't get me wrong. Just he's everything. Goodness gracious! Leave some work for other people. Um, Take your germs. Yeah. The clone commander, as mentioned, is Commander Phil F I L because it has to be spe- spelled weird if it's in Star Wars. Um, but uh, yeah, he's got a cool armor design and everything. But don't know where his squad comes from. I'd always thought maybe they were part of the Coruscant Guard, but. They don't have the red marks. They have more of a burnt orange marks. Um, so it's really interesting. We never really see any other clones um, depicted like them. So Yeah. Um, but that that's really all the details um, for this episode. Um, it's uh, It was, again, my favorite. A really good episode. In, throw Kit Fisto in there. It's bound to be a good episode. Um and I think, again, this is probably the best of Grievous we get uh, in the Clone Wars, at least to this point and, and whatnot. Um, he's scary, he's bad, and, and um, he's really good. Now, there, there's other episodes coming later that feature Grievous that are really good as well. Um, but this was this is the best so far, at least for the first season. Um, really wonder what happens to his lair afterwards. Never really see it again, hear from it again. So yeah. wonder who who moved in, who's using it. <laughs> he uh, hired an interior decorator. Yeah. Um, be really. interesting to see that pop up in a story again later. Yeah. Really tied the room together. Yeah. It's just a lot of gray right now. So, um, but yeah, so that be our final episode. Yeah. All right, Heard. Well, that's our episode. Hopefully you enjoyed these episodes as much as we did. Uh, tell us what your favorite part of these episodes are. Uh, tell us your thoughts on Tom Kenny uh, and all that good stuff. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, check us out on Patreon and consider supporting us there if you're able to help the show grow a little yeah. bit. Send our cat to Kulig. Exactly. We got to get these silly cats into college and get them a good life all that good stuff they need to pull their own weight exactly anyway um hopefully uh you've enjoyed this episode uh as it falls on a friday now uh get used to that um but look forward to the next one the next few episodes i think are good ones as well so until next time uh monday really until then uh remember to stay scruffy and may the force be with you yeah